Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The only daily Premier League podcast. This is Football Social Daily. Hello and welcome back. It's Tuesday and this is the Football Social Daily. But as we all know, it's not just any Tuesday. It is transfer deadline day. And aside from the actual games, the finals and the trophies being won, this is the biggest day in the Premier League calendar. And to kick off on today's show, we're going to be looking at the latest news in the last 24 hours with West Ham, Leicester and Spurs all looking to strengthen their ranks right up until the last minute. Plus, we've got the details on Cristiano Ronaldo. We all know that he is going back to Manchester United. We now know how much for and the length of his contract. In part two, we'll be looking back across the transfer window as a whole, asking who has enjoyed the best and who has unfortunately enjoyed the worst business so far this summer. And then to wrap it up, we'll be casting our minds back to some of the biggest, and let's face it, the most ridiculous deadline day stories from seasons gone by. Right then, my name's Fergal Brennan, and joining me today, we have our very own Marley Anderson. Marley, yellow tie on, 10 espressos necked. How are you feeling? <laughs> yeah, I'm just uh, I'm just on my way to Newcastle's training ground to wave a... Uh with a few sex toys around in the Sky Sports reporter's face. Uh, and that's just a standard Tuesday for you, Marley, really, isn't it? That's nothing to do with deadline day. Yeah, yeah, that's what I do every Tuesday, yeah. Nothing yeah, else to so, do. Uh, and anyone that's missing Marley on Tuesday's podcast, we now know where he is and uh, exactly what he's getting up to. Um, but sex toys aside, uh, bargains is the name of the game when it comes to our second guest, Steve McNaughton. You might see him skulking around Tesco with an hour to close. He's a big man for, for a yellow sticker. Steve, how's things? Yeah, very good, mate. Yeah, all good. Uh, excited for the Deadline Day podcast. Great stuff. Right, before we get into transfers that have been done and some of the speculation and gossip that's swirling around, Ronaldo uh, Marley, we're going to kick off with just to get the details of his move <clears throat> back to Manchester United. We all know that he is going to be cloaked in United Red this season, but Juventus have released a statement, £15 million spread across five years with a potential for another £8 million in variables if he makes a certain amount of appearances and if he wins a couple of trophies at United. Ironically, this is quite similar to what Barcelona were trying to do with Lionel Messi in terms of staggering a payment and, and stretching how much they'd be paying over, over a longer period of time. Given the fact that Ronaldo will be 41 by the time this is fully paid off and almost certainly he won't still be at United, when you break it down, this is a pretty good piece of business for United. Yeah, it's not bad, is it? I mean, you know, when... When the sort of opportunity comes around to sign Cristiano Ronaldo, you expect to have to do some, you know, uh, mathematic gymnastics to uh, to sort out how to how you're going to pay him and and how you're going to afford it and where you're going to find the money from. But this deal seems fairly straightforward. I think his basic wage is somewhere around, I think it's about a quarter of a million pound a week, which sounds a lot, but when when you remember that David de Gea is on four hundred at, at Man United, apparently. That is, you know, it's it's more than doable. Um, Pogba's up there with that kind of wage as well. So is Bruno Fernandez. So it's not a a, a fee that they've um, they're, they're scared of paying um, per week, and they're paying the deferring the transfer fee over over the next few years. So I think it's uh, it's great business and it's an absolute no-brainer with the amount of revenue it'll bring in through being him 
um, and all the sponsorships and stuff he'll attract and all the value he'll bring to the league because um, everyone wants to see him back again. Uh, except Newcastle, who've got him in a week's time and probably going to get absolutely torn apart by him, but that's another podcast, I think. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's it's a really sort of sound move, I think. Um, and it's one that's almost... Even if he... Even if like the worst happens and he barely plays and he gets injured all the time or something like that it's it's still worth it it's still worth the money because you've you've got him as a brand you've got brand Ronaldo back you've got the the nice little bookend to his career of him coming back to Man United and all the rest of it and the story and everything that's there so I think it's a it's a great move for, for Man United and fair play to them for pulling it off and Steve, United and United fans are obviously delighted to have him back. 118 goals in 292 appearances, first time round. And Ronaldo himself released a statement this morning. Manchester United is a club that will always have a special place in my heart. He's been overwhelmed by the messages he's received since Friday. And he's looking forward to linking up and playing at a full Old Trafford. Solskjaer has, has mirrored that. He said, you, you just run out of words when you're trying to describe Cristiano Ronaldo. He's not only a marvellous player, he's a great human being. It's all getting very warm and fuzzy over at Old Trafford and as a Liverpool fan, you must be delighted. <laughs> um, well, I think it was, it was, you know, it was a no-brainer for United to go in for him. Uh, I think the deal makes sense and I think, you know, does, you, does Cristiano Ronaldo make Man United a better team? Absolutely. Um, and the financials seem to work on it. I think, you know, the instalments are, are, you know, very manageable. I think, the, you know, the weekly salary is is a lot less than I was expecting because I, I think I heard 480 a week last week and that, but obviously, you know, that mustn't be the case. Um, and I just think that, you know, like, like Marley just said, like then, you know, about bookending his career is nice. And I think, you know, maybe he does a couple of years at United and then finishes off at Sporting. Um, and then it has gone kind of full circle, but there isn't enough time to speak about how good Cristiano Ronaldo is um, you know he is an absolute phenomenon he's in incredible shape um, he's, his levels are still off the scale um, I just think he'll still come out and he'll score a load of goals for United and I just think we'll probably see Bruno Fernandes crying in the corner somewhere in two months um, <laughs> you know with the free kicks and the penalties that he's going to have to give up um, you know but uh, I just think yeah world, genuinely genuinely world class player I mean you know it's a flip up of coin between him and Messi for me and um, yeah the only kind of caveat I, I will put in there is that I feel that the Premier League is a genuinely harder league than Serie A I think the quality in the Premier League is higher than, than Serie A and I think he will uh, you know run into more challenges in the Premier League than he would do in Serie A um, you know I think his Juventus generally have the best defenders in that league anyway don't they so <laughs> um, it'll be interesting to see how he handles that challenge but I think that he is such a consummate professional and athlete that he will work out that challenge and he will figure it out and he will he, he will you know get his way around it and and be a massive problem for the vast majority of teams in the Premier League still so no brain if United fair play it was a bit of a shock when City were in for him as well um, depending on where which side of Manchester you're from City pulled out if you're from the red side Ronaldo pulled out when United were interested it's you know it's all fun and games really but yeah it, it makes the Premier League better having him and uh, and welcome back um, so Ronaldo is signed sealed and delivered he's back at United all the uh, little details have now been confirmed so we're going to try and split this between deals that have been confirmed and the good gossip rather than just the uh, clickbaity nonsense so one deal that has been completed this morning Marley is West Ham's move for Nikola Vlasic from CSK Moscow 30 million euros to bring him in on a five year contract his take two for Vlasic in the Premier League played with Everton back in 2017-18 didn't really work out he opted to move away and go to uh, Moscow, but he's back. He's back in the Premier League. And this is an interesting one from West Ham's perspective because Chelsea were in for him. Atletico Madrid were linked and it's West Ham that have got the deal done. They've been impressive so far this season, unbeaten, second in the league. They're through to the Europa League. Um, this is a big sign and this is a bit of a statement from West Ham to say we can compete. Maybe not for the biggest names. They've obviously got Kurt Zuma in as well, which is a a big name to have at the back and look to shore them up there. But this is quite an impressive move from West Ham and shows that they're moving in the right direction when it comes to challenging other teams for, for promising players. Yeah, it is. It's a, it's a good signing. I think, you know, you said Atletico and, and Chelsea were interested. I think this kind of 
does prove that they weren't that interested. I feel like if they were, <laughs> he wouldn't have gone to West Ham. But you know, fair play to them to 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 get him. I think he's um, he's been one of the best sort of players, certainly in Russia. You could probably argue one of the best number tens in Europe since he left Everton. Um, the, about three or four years ago, whatever it was, I think Everton didn't really know what to do with him. Um, I feel like he was kind of young and and sort of unproven, and they never trusted him to to mature and never gave him that chance. I can't remember who the manager was at the time at Everton. I think it might have been Sam Allardyce, which probably explains a lot um, in in how to get the best out of a technically very good number ten. Um, but he's yeah he's, he's he's done really well since since leaving and he, he fair play to him for coming back for a second crack because a lot of players think ah screw England I, I never got a chance there before I didn't like it I can go to you know a, a different club and as you mentioned there, there there was interest elsewhere maybe not from maybe not from those teams in terms of um, like actual bidding but there would have been other teams ready to take him if the deal was right but. Um, yeah, fair play for coming back and going to going to West Ham. The European football's there now. That's a big thing for attracting players, um, and they've got to capitalise now and try and get into the Europa League again next season. Because you know, with the with the squad staying still, I feel like it was a big challenge for them. Not impossible, but certainly a bigger challenge. And then in the in the last few days, signing Zuma and then Vlasic is uh, is two steps in the in the right direction. I think. Steve, from uh, Vlasic to another player that it hasn't quite worked out at Everton for, Moise Keane has gone back to Juventus. He signed a two-year loan deal this morning with a um, compulsory purchase order added on to the end of that. uh, Juve have got an obligation to buy him for £28 at the end of 22-23. This is a very strange one because when he signed for Everton, there was so much promise. He was arguably one of the most highly rated strikers in European football. It did seem a, a bit of a curveball that Everton had got him, but it just kind of seemed as if they'd landed on their feet and they'd got themselves a real gem. But for whatever reason, across three managers, it hasn't really worked out. He was at PSG on loan last season and looked really impressive, 13 goals in 26 games. But for whatever reason, he's come back to Everton this summer, even with a managerial change of Rafa Benitez coming into the club. It, it just hasn't worked. It just doesn't seem to be a correct fit for Keane and Everton or for Everton and Keane and he now leaves and Everton who are probably short of strikers short of goal scoring options have lost another one yeah he's just unfortunately not the right type of profile and I think when when Everton did sign him there was a few eyebrows raised he was very very young and you know and a young you know lad coming over from Italy doesn't speak the language um you know it's it's a uh, you know, Everton are a club that are, are fighting quite a lot of the time. So, you know, there would, be, there would have been a different mentality at Everton than there would have been at, you know, at Juventus previous to that. And um, I just think he's, you know, he's not probably adjusted that well to it. And I don't think he's been managed properly. Whereas a 90, well, 18-year-old kid, I think he was at the time, wasn't he? Would definitely need an arm around him and that kind of supportive manager um, and nurturing attitude. And he's just not had that. He's gone to PSG and... Absolutely delivered. He's been phenomenal there. Um, you know, like you said, you know, 13 league goals. Um, the only thing I'd, I'd add to that is three goals in the Champions League as well last season, you know, for them. Um, the guy knows how to score goals. Um, there's no doubt about it. And um, and I think going back to Juventus, you know, will probably be a good move for him because he's three years wiser for the experience that he's had. And he's, he's a guy that is probably going with confidence because he has scored, you know, lots of goals in League One. And I just think that... Um, yeah, the way Everton's set up and the way that Rafa will want him to set up. Um, you know, Rafa likes the big man up top, doesn't he? You know, previously at Newcastle, Marley's club, he had, you know, Solomon Rondon, who was an absolute nightmare up front for, for opposition teams. And they've got, you know, Calvert-Lewin there at the minute. And I think, you know, he'd want another, you know, probably bigger guy than Keane in there. Um, but good luck to him. I think, you know, the price for a guy that, that is scoring one in two in League one, League One. Is not a bad, um, uh, you know, price really. And um, two years for him to develop his career, more caps for Italy, and the 24 million may seem like a snip at the time. Yeah, and I think he'd face a bit of a battle to get in the PSG team this season. I, I hear on the grapevine they've signed someone pretty decent. So, <laughs> Moise, back to Juventus. That is a done deal. Right, from the confirmed deals to the slightly more gossipy situation, we expect a few deals to be done before the window slams shut tonight, Marley. Dan James is the kind of jump-out name from potential exits. Obviously, we've talked about Ronaldo 
coming into Old Trafford, that is likely to mean that one or two players will move on. And Dan James is an interesting situation because United fans love him. His personality, the way that he plays, he's so fresh and quick, the way he just wants to get on the ball and run past players and, and make things happen. But there's probably been a little bit of an underlying sensation that for where United want to be, which is back winning the Premier League and making a splash in the Champions League, he, he maybe falls a little bit short in terms of what he offers. And you can look at his numbers since he's been at United, 33 appearances in 1920. That's steadily, steadily dropped since then. And Leeds are rumoured to be offering 30 million. He'd go to Leeds. He'd more than likely be a starter, probably go straight into their first 11. Given the fact that he's now... At a bit of a crossroads, he's got to make a decision. He's going to make a, a step down if he goes from United to Leeds in terms of where the clubs are and where they're pushing to be in the next few seasons. But he knows with Ronaldo coming in, his game time's already been cut. It's only going to keep getting slashed if he doesn't move on between now and the end of the day. Yeah, I think, um, you know, when Ronaldo signed, thought there's always going to be one that goes out, um, you know, whether it was Lingard or or James, or, or even Van der Beek, if anybody wanted him. Um, but, you know, it's it does seem to be right that it's Daniel James. Um, I feel like when he went to Man United, it was it came out of the blue a little bit. Um, you know, we've all seen him, that picture of him holding a Leeds shirt because he thought he was about to sign for Leeds. Um, and it was that close when, when they took him from Swansea. But, you know, Man United came in, and I always thought with him... It's a it's a tough ask to go to Man United as a as a young player and without the sort of huge hype around you, um, and then make it like I think when you're you know one of the most sought after teenagers in the world, like Wan Bissaka for example, uh, was and like uh, players in the past have done it as well, almost like Ronaldo was the first time when he signed he was like the guy that everyone wanted to sign and and those types of players sometimes have a better chance of making it because they, they know where they are. But Daniel James and Man United just never seemed to fit. I, I always thought he he was just not quite at that level where, or or had that personality where he was like, yep, I belong here. I'm going to get into this team, um, prove everyone wrong. He started well enough. I think he scored in his debut. I think he might have scored two in his first four games or something like that. It was He did make an all right start, but... He was always the one who you looked at and thought, we're not really that scared of him, other than his pace, his, his end product needs needs work, his, his overall contribution to a game needs work. And I feel like the perfect perfect um, move for him is to just take a little bit of a, uh, a step down and, and go to a club who where he's going to be loved slightly more. Um, I know Leeds fans were absolutely giving him dog's abuse at, uh, at the, week, uh, the other weekend when they played Man United at Old Trafford, but... I think they'll they'll soon get one round by his uh, his his work rate, and if he gets his head down and works hard, I think he's he's found a good home there because Bielsa, as soon as you get up to speed with Bielsa ball and his little tactics of, you know, run until you you can't run anymore, I feel like Daniel James could be a, could be an important guy for them, and I think it's one of them where he's he needs to be a bigger fish in a slightly smaller pond because Man United was just kind of eating him up a little bit and. You know, fans are always like, oh, Daniel James is playing. Why aren't we playing this guy? Why aren't we playing, you know, two strikers or a different formation in midfield? And it was never never really going to work for him. I think his card was already marked no matter what he did uh, among the Man United fans. So fair play to him for, for taking the move if, if it does go through, which we expect it to. Um, I think he'll be, uh, be a hit at Leeds. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely going to be an interesting move for him. I, I do agree this idea that he is a very good player, but maybe at the very, very top there's, there's questions to be asked about him. As an interesting little aside to this, Manchester United have rumouredly petitioned the Premier League for a slight change. If James leaves, they want Edinson Cavani to take over his number 21 shirt and then some fella called Ronaldo, who they've just signed, to pick up the number 7. Um, Steve, William is also on his way out. He's leaving Arsenal. This is a very strange situation, Signed at the start of last season on a free transfer from Chelsea. Three-year contract, just nine Premier League starts for Arsenal last season. He's walking away from two years left on his deal and 21 
million pounds. He's essentially tearing up his contract. He's come out with a statement to say it just didn't happen for him at Arsenal. It didn't work for him. It didn't work for the club. He's walking away from the contract. That money's getting thrown back in the bank for Arsenal, whether or not Mikel Arteta will have time to spend it or not. Um, but in a summer where we've seen some huge contract fees being negotiated and quibbling over more money and more money and more money, I'm always kind of reluctant to massively praise footballers but for the fact that he's essentially said keep the money keep the contract I'm not interested he's going back to Brazil to play for Corinthians it's actually quite a good move from him yeah you know it's it's very refreshing to see it isn't he I think you know it probably comes from a place where he understands he hasn't pulled up any trees at Arsenal you know he's he's I don't think he contributed anything apart from maybe maybe a goal in probably 20 Odd games, I would have thought. Um, I mean, I haven't got the stats for him exactly. That's it. That's it. He's had not one sure Premier League goal that he pulls in. All right, okay. Um, but yeah, I think it, it was it was a weird signing. I mean, you know, and the other one obviously was David Luiz as well. You know, when he came into the club previous to that, and you know, unfortunately, you know, you're getting these players when when they're well past the best. Um, you know, the the Chelsea Willian didn't arrive at at, at Arsenal. Um, and probably never was going to do. Um, and I think, you know, he's probably looked at that and thought, you know what, I can go back home to Brazil, play for one of the top teams there, Corinthians, um, closer to the family. He'll still be on a decent salary over in Brazil, um, you know, compared to me and Marley. But, um, <laughs> you know, I just think that, uh, yeah, fair play to him for, for, for doing that because a lot of players at the age of 33 would have just sat on their ass for another couple of years, took a couple of hundred grand a week or whatever it is that, that he'll be getting and um, and just let the career peter out. But, you know, that's still ambitious. He probably wants to win the Copper Libertadores um, and have a good go at that. So, fair play. He's, he's been really good in the Premier League. Um, you know, he's scored some great goals and I think he goes with everyone's best wishes. Uh, to the other side of North London, Marley and Tottenham. We know Harry Kane is staying. He's not going anywhere. The Manchester City interest has, has petered out and Daniel Levy has kept hold of his man, at least for one more season. But according to reports from the Daily Mirror this morning, Nuno is looking to add a little bit of a helping hand up top and he wants to bring Nuno Santo. He wants to bring Adama Traore from Wolves. Obviously, they had a brilliant relationship when Nuno was manager of Wolves. Traore has kind of risen up through the ranks to be one of the most exciting wingers in the Premier League and I've watched him so far this season he, he looks to be playing for a move Bruno Lage has been playing him through the middle because Raul Jimenez is still feeling his way back into, into first team football he looks really really good he still can't finish chances to save his life but he's super quick he's getting in behind and he's causing absolute <laughs> havoc Wolves possibly looking to go for around 30-35 million considering Nuno has got the best out of him in his career and Tottenham do need players in and around Kane this could be a really, really smart piece of business if they get it done. Um, I disagree. I think it's a, a staggering fee for a guy who's still got so many holes in his game. You know, saying he's been playing well this season, yeah, okay, he's exciting when he goes past players, and that's great. But he doesn't do anything at the end of it. He still doesn't. He doesn't score enough. He doesn't assist enough. He can't cross. He's got no left foot. I just think that it's a staggering amount of money for a guy who's almost good. Like, he, if he had any of that end product, even half the time, he'd be one of the best players in the world because his, his pace and his power is staggering. But he just... It, there's nothing at the end of it. And, you know, Wolves haven't scored a goal this season and Wolves haven't won a game this season. And I just think that's because if Triore had more to his game, I feel like they'd have won at least two of the games that they've played. But instead, they've lost all 3-1-0, I think. And it was like... I just, I just think if he goes to a better club where um, the space is going to get less because when teams come and play Spurs and they've won three out of three and they've got Harry Kane and Hyungwin Son and Deli Ali's coming back into form, they're going to play deeper. And I don't think um, Adama Traore fits into a team where the opposition's going to come and sit in and try and frustrate you because he's going to have less space. There's going to be not, enough, uh, not as many counter-attacking opportunities and I feel like that's where Wolves are, are at the best when they can counter-attack and he's got green grass to run into and he can just go past you and just bump it past you and he's got all the space in the world. I feel like when you get to a, a bigger team and you, you're sort of faced with these like low-blocking style, you know, man the batten down the hatches defences, 
I feel like you've got to be very technically very good. You've got to be comfortable in really tight possession. Sometimes when you're back to goal, play one-twos and things like that. I just don't see Adama Traore fitting into that style at Spurs. I feel like they've they've got enough players, especially with um, you know Brian Gill coming in. I think he's technically very good. He's got a a great um, like first touching in in tight spaces. His dribbling's really good and stuff like that. So I think he's a, a more a, a more a more sort of clever signing. But I feel like Adama Traore is just he's not a Spurs signing in my opinion but obviously the Nuno link is there and he, he loves him and he feels like he can get more out of him but if he can fair play but I, I just can't see it materialising into a really good sort of um, move for everyone I look at this differently Steve I want to get your take on this because for me this is this is Mighty Ducks this is Luis Mendoza and Emiliano Estevez anyone that's not seen Mighty Ducks the whole theory is Luis Mendoza is dead quick nobody can catch him but he can't stop and he keeps crashing into the end boards and then Estevez gets a hold of him manages to get him to stop and he becomes absolutely terrifying if Nuno can channel his inner Emiliano Estevez and Adama Traore can become Luis Mendoza there's no stopping them if he can do that surely Tottenham should go for him uh, yeah you know I think so yeah I mean I was just thinking when when we, you know we were talking then I thought I'd have him at Liverpool um, I think working with, with with a world-class manager like Jurgen Klopp I think we could iron out them kinks in his game and develop him a level or two um, so you know, I mean, unfortunately, you know, we, you know, it, it, we're talking about Liverpool there, so they're not going to pump the money up for it. But um, you know, I think that uh, I think there's a, there's another level or two for the Dama Traore, and I think as controversial as it sounds, I think he needs to strip a bit of that muscle off him. Um, I think there's there's too much muscle there, um, which will mean that obviously he'll he'll burn out quite quick um, because of all that muscle he's carrying. Um, but I just think if he, if he, you know, if he made him slightly leaner um, and worked on on them them areas of development, I think he'd be, he'd be an absolute superstar. Um, he is very one dimensional, one dimensional. Easy for me to say. At Wolves, there's no doubt about it. But he's still a really young guy, and I, I you know, if, if it was my club who who do need another attacking player. Um, I would probably take a chance on him and try and develop him over the next 12 months with a view to him being integrated into the team properly in the coming seasons. Um, I think Spurs could could do do a lot worse than signing him, um, but it, he is a project and, and they're going to have to put them, them hours into that project to, to get him to where he needs to be. Yeah, and it's going to be difficult if uh, Nuno wants to sign Pacey from Dawson's Creek uh, in the next 12 hours to get him playing alongside him. So um, before we take a break, I'm going to ask you both for your take on your individual clubs before the transfer window closes. Marley has been underwhelming, to say the least, for Newcastle. £26 million to bring Joe Willock back to St James's. Florian Lejeune, Matty Longstaff and Andy Carroll have all gone out the back door um, at St James's. Steve Bruce is obviously under pressure to bring in players, but... With about 11, 12 hours to go, it looks like it is going to be just Willock. To ask a bit of a daft question, you must be pretty underwhelmed by all that. Yeah, um, disappointed but not surprised is, is probably the, the phrase I would use for it. You know, we always knew that all our, our eggs this summer were going to be in Joe Willock's basket and try and get him over the line on a on a loan or a permanent if if the deal was there. And we've we've done quite well to get that deal. But the, it wasn't just we need Willock and then we're done. We we do need more players. I think there's there's need for a centre back as well. Um, with his beloved five at the back system, we probably do need another centre back to go in there. Um, could do with another striker or a or a winger, um, and even another defensive midfielder. So there's plenty more to be done. Nowhere near any deals as as far as I can tell. Um, I'd have gone for. Ainsley Maitland-Niles who's going through the ringer at Arsenal right now but no, no, nothing seems to be done for them I'd have, I'd have took Adam Ola-Luckman who seems to be going somewhere else as well this summer but I feel like there's more there's deals out there that could have been done um, but I don't know how much Newcastle want to go and do it um, having said that I think the squad's good enough to finish comfortably in the bottom half and not be too near relegation but the manager is is a, a championship style uh, championship level manager and when you combine a team that should stay up comfortably with a, an, an awful manager it could be a rinse and repeat of last season I think with you know us looking try almost trying to get relegated um, and then 
sort of saving ourselves with 10 games to go or something like that. So I feel like it could be another long one. And Steve, looking at Liverpool, just one signing coming in at Anfield as well. Ibrahima Kanate for about 38, 39 million. That's a bit of a hangover from last season of uh, being scared of having no centre-backs with Van Dijk, Matip and Gomez all missing big chunks due to injury. But that's it in terms of incomings. Jordan Shakiri's obviously gone out. Um, but big news this morning, Jordan Henderson has signed a new contract. And that kind of seems the watchword of Liverpool's business this summer. It's not about big new names coming in or fresh faces. It's about getting key players back fit and tied to contracts and it they might not be the most exciting of strategies but that's the road that Liverpool are going down and you would say it's unlikely that there's going to be any new faces between now and when the window closes I wouldn't I wouldn't have thought anyone would come in before the deadline this evening um, I think it's been an absolutely shocking window for Liverpool um, I think it's been absolutely dreadful um, you know we, we were obviously hampered with injuries last season um, and we had a, a horrendous 14 game run when their injuries really you know took hold um, the, the, the defence was ravaged it, you know, it, it meant Fabinho and Henderson played at centre half quite a lot um, but it was bookended by by you know ten or twelve games of absolute brilliance um, you know where, where they were the, you know the top team in the league on form the squad depth issues still remain for me we haven't addressed them in the slightest I think Canate coming in was a given um, but he's not going to start many games at the minute he's 21 and he's going to have a job to you know displace Van Dijk and a fit Joel Matip um, it's amazing that Divock Origi is still on the wage bill today I mean <laughs> as we record this podcast he's still on the wage bill at Liverpool that might have finished by tonight uh, that might sorry that might be different by tonight Um I hope it is for for the club and for him because to go into another season with him on the wage bill when he's going to contribute very little is is absolutely staggering. Um, the contract renewals are are good news, um, you know, because we've, with the exception of Mo Salah now, which you'd hope would would be announced in the, in the coming weeks, um, we've managed to t- to tie a core down for the long term of that team. Um, I don't buy the spin that that was the focus during this window because players can renew contracts at any time. Mm. Um, it doesn't have to be specifically during the transfer window. And I think that using that and saying that was the focus this year, you know, this summer to get them lads tied down, you can be doing that anyway. You know, we have a sporting director in place. We have an assistant sporting director at the club. You don't need to kind of wait until, you know, June, July or August to get all these contracts boxed off. It's just spin because there's no money being spent again. Um, and I just think that it's really frustrating and, you know, a, a lot of Liverpool fans are like scratching their heads as to why, you know, we haven't replaced Genie Wijnaldum and, and maybe got a bit more creativity in that midfield or we haven't signed another attacker um, to chip in with, with some goals because, again, last season, um, the lads had, had a tough time in front of the goal at, you know, at one point. So... We do need more options. There's no doubt about it. You know, we've got rid of most of the deadwood. You know, Shakiri going and and and, and the likes, um, Harry Wilson. Uh, you know, the, the Grab Grabara. You know, um, the, the Liam Miller. That type of player who, who've gone. So I think we've generated around 50, 60 million in sales. Um, and uh, it, it's it's really frustrating the fact that they're so reluctant to spend money and and, and back Jurgen Klopp in the way that he that he needs backing. Um, because I just think we've been found wanting on that, and um, and controversially, controversially, a similar thing happened with Boston Red Sox as well. Um, they won a couple of World Series and didn't capitalise on the opportunity, and, and and he faded a bit, and then we're just back in the mix. Then, whereas I just think that Liverpool um, have missed that moment to do that. I think when they won the league and they won the Champions League that was the time to do it and yes we've been hit by the pandemic which has hit the finances and stuff like that but I just think from my point of view if a business has lost you know over 100 million you know you're going and financing that that loss aren't you so you can remain competitive and still you know um, evolve the squad bring in some new faces freshen things up because my biggest concern is that it's very comfortable because there's no new faces coming into challenge so you know if you're in the starting 11 at Liverpool you're relatively unthreatened and I don't think that is a great place for, for a club to be. So I would I think it's a D minus for, for Liverpool during this window. I I've I've not been impressed at all by FSG's approach. Um the caveat being the contract renewals are great, but let's not spin it that that's been the major focus in the summer because we could have done that any time. Um so very, very frustrating. I think it's been I think it's been an appalling window.
yeah, the power of spin at Liverpool. Liverpool fans, save yourself the bother. Don't head down to Anfield tonight because there's probably not going to be any activity. Right, we're going to take a quick break here on the Football Social Daily. After the break, we're going to be looking at the window as a whole, looking at the winners and unfortunately the losers from what's been a pretty busy summer of activity in the Premier League. We'll be back in just a second. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Hello and welcome back to the Football Social Daily podcast. It is transfer deadline day, rumours flying around, gossip being whispered in ears and we are all absolutely hoping that our own clubs make a big signing before the window closes. But we all know that the chances are it probably will not happen right we're gonna have a quick look at the whole window it's been a massive summer of spending right the way across the Premier League Marley I'm gonna to go to you first on this we're looking for winners and losers from the transfer window Arsenal we know have been the big spenders 145 million on players but individually other clubs have made some massive acquisitions we talked about United bringing Ronaldo back to Old Trafford Lukaku in at Chelsea and obviously the 100 million pound man Jack Grealish going to Manchester City setting a new record so for you adding all the numbers together and looking at where the land lies before the transfer window closes. Who is the big winner from the Premier League during this transfer window? Uh, I th- my, my sort of personal pick would be, would be Chelsea. Um, I feel like they've added something which they desperately needed, which was a focal point, a, a target man, a, a goal scorer. Um, with only getting the top scorer last season, got seven goals, they were all penalties, Jorginho netting all seven penalties. Um, so I think they needed um, needed someone. They went out and picked the best in class that was available, which was Lukaku. Obviously capitalised on Inter's financial situation um, and, and brought him back to the Premier League where he's proven he's already part of the 100 club. You know he's 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 got the track record that requires him to then go on and and win big trophies with Chelsea in the, in the near future. But the thing for me that tips it for them is the fact that they've they've spent so much. Um, sorry, they've sold so many players that they've practically got him for free because they've offloaded like Tammy Abraham, Fikayo Tomori. There was sixty million between, well, seventy million between them two. Um, then they've got rid of Zuma. As there's another twenty odd. Um, Tino Livramento and all these sort of fringe players and I was saying earlier in the summer that they could conceivably go and uh, sell enough to, to afford Erling Haaland um, and as as it turned out it happened to be Lukaku but the same logic uh, was was proven and the fact that they sold all these fringe players and loaned out a few more as well you know they, they basically were, were digging down the sofa for, for money found it um, and they've basically got Lukaku for a net spend of pretty much nothing. Um, and I feel like he's going to take them on to become a genuine title challenger and a genuine challenger for the Champions League and, and trying to retain that. So for me, I would go for I'll go for them. Uh, looking at your side of it, Steve, winners, losers. There's been a lot of money splashed around. I know you mentioned before the break your frustration at Liverpool, but rivals United, Chelsea have all strengthened and brought in big names and, and not been frightened to, to stick their hand in their pocket. So based on that, who are you going for as, as the big winners from the window? Uh, I'm going to go for Man United as, as the winners from, from this transfer window. I think getting Ronaldo across the line uh, this morning um, is has lifted the mood at the club, the city, um, and the, the squad of players for sure because they've got you know arguably one of the, you know one of the two best world players best players in the world coming in. Um, I think the deal is, is is staggering the way it's been stacked up. It's it really was a no brainer. And then you add to it um, the serial winner Rafael Varane, who's won multiple Champions Leagues, La Ligas, domestic honours with Real Madrid. Um, it's another guy who has a mentality of and a World Cup with France, of course, um, and. Uh, He's a guy that that will bring a lot to that dressing room at United in terms of experience and mentality. And then you bring in one of the the, the hottest young prospects in world football, and Jaden Sancho from from Dortmund, who's you know is is only going to go up in his career, and he's going to hit you know heights that he's not previously hit. And I just think that they've signed three 
wonderful players um, and fair play to them. You know, there's kind of interesting eyes being cast to Man United all over all over the shop at the minute. But the big winners, dear me, 30 million for Daniel James. If they can get 30 million for Daniel James from Leeds, that is a massive win. Um, and I think that uh, you know that'll be that'll be an A plus window for them uh, if if they can get that over the line. So yeah, you know, taking the rivalry uh, hat off, I think United have had a tremendous window, and I think the feel good factor will be um, around the club. And if they start picking up some wins, they, they'll be starting to believe again. Um, you know, so I think you know, fair play to United there. I've got a horrible feeling that I think I already know the answer to this, Marley. Losers from the transfer window. Now, you know, you can base this on any criteria you wish. No pressure. You can pick any club that you think has had a terrible <laughs> window that you like. But I do think I know who you're going for. Go on. Uh, I'm going to go for Arsenal. Apologies, wow. Fergal, for, for sticking the boot in on your lads. But I can't understand their business this summer. I can't understand the plan at Arsenal. Um I feel like you know the fact that they've spent more than anyone else this summer is staggering, um, and they're still, you know, in my opinion, nowhere near where they need to be. Um, they've still got the the problems they've had for seven or eight years. The the mentality of that squad, the fact that they'll all down tools when things go go a bit awry is is um, is a problem that needs sorting. I don't know. I think it's more deeper than the manager. I think it's um, it requires. Something I don't I don't quite know the answer to other than stripping the entire squad and and having a, a huge couple of summers or three or four transfer windows of, of rebuilding um, and I think the the business they've done doesn't make massive sense I think bringing in Aaron Ramsdale look we we can all say you know is he good enough to play for Arsenal the fact is he's sitting on the bench every week unless Leno leaves in the next twelve hours so you know. It's a pointless investment if you're spending thirty million and having him sit on the bench um, every every week. So there's that. I think Odegaard's okay. Um, it's a decent enough signing, but it doesn't address the problems in the squad. Um, I think the the centre back's still an issue. Um, huge money on Ben White. Uh, you you can say that okay, but you know time will tell about that one. But still, it's a massive uh, investment. William Saliba's been loaned out again. I don't know what he's done wrong to to wind up everyone and not get a chance at Arsenal when he was 30 million two years ago. Um, don't really understand that. There's the whole issue now with Maitland Niles, um, with uh, with him saying on his Instagram, just I please, I just want to leave and and be respected as a footballer. Don't know what he's done to uh, to to wind everyone up either. Um, he seems to be a player that could fit into that that team at some point. I think he could play right back if you needed him to. I don't know whether he wants to, but I feel like if you offered him the chance there, he'd, he'd, he'd be foolish not to take it. Um, I think he could get in centre midfield in that team as well, but it's um, it's another one of them where I just think Arteta's making wrong decision after wrong decision. I think it's a tough job, um, but he's not helping himself massively. Um, and for that reason, I would say that they've had probably the the worst summer in terms of the deals that they've done and the deals they should have done and the problems they should have sorted out or tried to sort out and I don't think they've done enough uh, Steve who are you going for Marley's gone for Arsenal rock bottom 135 40 million pounds spent and it's definitely not looking very good at Arsenal who are you going for oh apologies Fergal you know the, the absolute same um, I think it's I think it's I mean it's just so difficult with Arsenal, isn't it? And I, you know, it's. I just don't think anything seems to go right. You know, whatever they try, it just doesn't seem to to, to pan out. And I think the recruitment this summer has been odd, to say the least. Um, yeah. I think you know a hell of a lot of money spent, and um, uh, players that that don't appear to be able to perf- to play the manager's preferred style of system. Um, I think, you know, obviously there's some really good players at Arsenal, Kieran Tierney, he's outstanding, Bernd Leno's a really good goalkeeper. Um, ben White should be a really good defender, but that price tag is, is going to weigh heavy on him. Um, and I just think, you know, you've got Hector Bellerin, who's always kind of like flirting with going somewhere else, isn't he? Um, I just think that there's still that kind of cultural issue at United, uh, United at Arsenal that uh, needs sorting out. And as a result, the wind has not gone to plan. And... 
I mean, whether they, they actually decide to spend good money off the bat this summer and keep going and try and get someone in by tonight, I don't know. But I certainly think they should kind of like, you know, pump the brakes a bit and just go with what they've got till January and try and make it work. And Arteta really could do without the international break um, for, I think, is it, what, three games, is it, that, that, yeah. that they're playing, isn't it? Something like that. And um, we really need to be on the training pitch with his preferred eleven. And just kind of drill, 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 drill and, and getting them fluid in, in what he needs to do because at the minute there's a disconnect there and I think whoever comes in and just keeps spending money, it's just not going to work until that's addressed. Yeah, right. OK, that's a fairly depressing end to uh, part two and probably for the transfer window for Arsenal. I'm going to nip off and scream into a pillow for a few minutes. So we are going to take a quick break. After the break, we're going to be talking about something a bit lighter. We're going to be getting the guys brilliant deadline day stories. We all love a footballer throwing a wobbly or someone, you know, getting trapped in a little chef on the M6. So we're going to be talking about all of that in just a few minutes. Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Football's Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Hello and welcome back to the Football Social Daily Premier League podcast. It is transfer deadline day, 12 hours until the window slams shut. If you want to get your bargains, get them done ASAP. Right, before the break, we talked about the winners and the losers of the Premier League transfer window. But let's be honest, we're in the transfer window for the nonsense. We like a ridiculous last gasp bit of nonsense. Every transfer deadline day has its joker, has its absolute fool. So we're going to be asking the guys for their big stories over the years. We've seen some ridiculous situations, fax machines breaking, people getting trapped in car parks, all sorts of stuff that have gone on. So, Marley, I'm going to throw this one over to you first. Newcastle have had their fair share of nonsense over the years and Andy Carroll getting sold on the back of Fernando Torres is, is the big one for me. But looking across the whole of the Premier League, what are you going for as your big transfer deadline day memory? Well, yeah, the, the Andy Carroll one stung a bit. Um, thinking back to, sort of two, I think it's 2012, was it, or something like that, when he, uh, when he got in that helicopter, which was organised by Mike Ashley and Kevin Nolan which was a bit of a, a kick in the balls um, but yeah um, overall I think that it's hard to beat Peter Oden Wingy um, rocking up in a car park thinking he was signing for uh, was it was it QPR he was trying to sign for? Yeah um, from West Brom yeah it was I feel, yeah I feel like it's it's one of them things where I think people think pro footballers are so mollycoddled and, and looked after that they they're always sort of travelling you know in private jets and uh, helicopters and they're uh, being driven places and it was just hilarious to see the the humanity of it restored um like Peter Rudd and Wingy turning up to it's like when you think a 24 hour um <laughs> supermarket is is open but you don't realize it's bank holiday and they're shut at 10 o'clock so you turn up at half 10 trying to get some uh, midnight snacks and it's shut. It's just one of them where, you know, especially as they interviewed him on TV as well and it was like, don't you know that the move is, is not on? And he's like, no. <laughs> it's just brilliant. It brought that humanity and that, that realness to, to the whole situation. Um, I did feel, I kind of felt bad for him, but also I didn't really because he was on, you know, he's on thousands of pounds a week and he made himself look a bit of a tit and it made made football become a bit more real so I just thought it's hilarious and it's a, it's gone down in like transfer deadline day folklore now that you know um, Peter Roden Wingy you know <laughs> made himself look foolish and you don't want to have a repeat of that situation if you can avoid it uh, so Peter Odenwingy had a wasted drive in 2013 when he tried to force through his move to QPR. Steve, you're going for one a little bit closer to home with a, with a Liverpool angle. Liverpool have had their fair share of nonsense on deadline days over the last 10 years or so, but you've got a, a cracker that you remember. I've got two because while we've just been talking, I've thought of another one. Go on. <laughs> you know, that uh, what I mentioned. Obviously, one of them was Charlie Adams sitting in his uh, the Blackpool Chairman's office in his full training rig out you know he had his Blackpool kit on with his beanie hat on just sitting in his office refusing to go until he I think it was uh, the Oystons weren't it or Oystons something like that you know sanctioned the move to Liverpool um, another one very quickly is but you know back in um, January's deadline day in 2014 when Liverpool agreed a deal for um, Ukrainian player Yevon Konoplyanka 
um, from Denis Pro. Um, they bought the the Metis. He's an attacking player. The, the Metis buyout clause for 16 million. The chief exec at the time, Ian Erd, had flown over to the Ukraine to get the deal done. Um, you know, they were on minutes and um, got everything in place. The player had a medical, um, personal terms agreed, etc. And then this um, uh, billionaire who owns Dnipro just point blank refused to sign the form to release him at the last minute. <laughs> and it was a completely wasted trip. So a couple of uh, bad experiences for Liverpool, uh, but uh, always funny when you look back. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I do hope that in the next 12 hours we get another uh, nonsense story, but football just seems a little bit more serious um, so far this season. And I think given the amount of money that's being sloshed around, Marley, before we wrap up, can you see a bolt from the blue that comes in the next 10 or 12 hours? There's probable movements and a couple of players that have been linked with moves between Premier League clubs. But with COVID, that's obviously affected the market. But we all want a big, ridiculous story. We want an Odin wingy. I want to see... Um, Hector Bayerin getting in his car I, Adama Traore I want to see Adama Traore running because I reckon he could manage it sprinting down the M6 <laughs> to get his move to Tottenham I was going to say he could probably do the M6 in about 20 seconds the, the, yeah. the speed he moves um, but in, in throwing terms cars of surprises out of the way I, think, on the way down. I think we've been spoilt this summer yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely um, yeah I feel like we've been a bit spoilt already with, with this summer we probably no one expected huge moves because of the sort of knock-on effect of COVID and all the rest of it, and then we see Messi, Ronaldo, Sancho, Donnarumma, Ramos, um, all moving in the same summer around Europe and all the rest of it. So um, it's hard to see anything on deadline day that will gazump that or even join those those kind of moves. But I feel like there'll be plenty going on because um, I think a lot of teams are, are waiting to the last minute to see who's available. Um, but nothing, nothing massive. I can't see too much sort of dominating the next week of of talking um, and getting us through the international break. But it's been a pretty uh, crazy summer of of where we've gone from um, and where we are now because the whole landscape has changed. So fair play to to everyone for giving us a bit of excitement over the summer. Yeah, hopefully there will be a bit of cash splashed between now and the end of the window. Um, if you're listening to this podcast in your car and you see Traore in your mirrors, just pull over, just let him pass. You don't want him running into the back of your car because it's going to cost you thousands to get it fixed. Right, Steve, Marley, we're going to call it there for today's show. Thanks so much for your time. You're Cheers, welcome. Guys. Great stuff. Uh, obviously, no Premier League football this week or this weekend, but here at FSD, we are here every single day. Daily Premier League podcast. Obviously, there's a massive amount of transfer gossip to get through. And also, Gareth Southgate's England side are back in action for the first time since Euro 2020 as the World Cup qualifiers kick off in the next 48 hours. So, with that in mind, we'll speak to you again very, very soon. Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk.